this morning. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 5 with me this morning. I'm going to share some thoughts out of this verse probably this week and next week to get us started moving into the year 2021. Um, one of the things I typically do every year when we start the year is, is just try to play the role of, of being a shepherd who kind of runs ahead of you a little bit and then comes back to say, hey guys, I think this is what we need for 2021. And, you know, I had this moment the other day, my, uh, one of my daughters, Grace, who plays the, the violin, uh, she is going to school in Ohio and she flies back to Ohio tomorrow. So I go up in her room uh, yesterday, the day before, and she's got her luggage, these big bags that she's packing her stuff to take with her. To back to Ohio. And of course, you know, the, the instinct of a dad and a mom is to, well, do you have this? And did you remember that? And make sure you bring this. It's going to be freezing there. It's winter in Cleveland, you know, and she's out not too far from Cleveland. And so part of that instinct that we have as parents with our, our kids is a similar instinct. I think God wants to give to shepherds as we walk together uh, as sheep. And so I want to, I want to kind of sprinkle into this message today and next week, the the thought of, I'm just curious about what's in your bag spiritually as you're about to venture into the year 2021, right? And in the same way that, you you know, if you were getting on a plane to go to Ohio, I'd be telling you, hey, it's different in Ohio than it is here. Uh, Can I just tell you that 2021 is going to be different? There's going to be stuff in it. There's going to be things that you're going to interact with, things that are going to affect your walk and your faith and your family and the purpose of God around you. And so these verses are really helpful because they're going to point out some things to us. But let me start with this reality for us. You know, 2021 is coming. I don't know if you're one of those people who makes goals and you think about what can I do in 2021? What do I really want to achieve, accomplish, et cetera? That's not uncommon. But here's what, there's a problem in the ointment today. Um, our, our culture has gotten so individualized that when it starts to answer that question, it starts with your individual story. And it tries to get you to fill in the blanks of, hey, who are you going to be in 2021? What are you going to go after? What are you living for? Right? And our culture is using phrases, you know, like you were destined for this. You're destined for something. And oh, I was born for this. Um, you do you. Right? And all those things are trying to jump into your world and validate something about your individuality that you're going to try and pick that up and find a cause, find something to live for. But, but I can just point something out to you. And this is, this is why we hang around the Bible. The Bible, when it goes to talk about your life, it never starts with you as an individual. That's not where the Bible starts. Matter of fact, that's the worst thing you could do for yourself because you will pick up everything around you in in a way that is going to use it all wrong because you started in the wrong place. Well, how do I know that? Well, when I open the Bible up and it begins to tell me, because I'm going to find my life in these scriptures, but it's not going to start with me, right? Genesis 1.1 is the correct starting place. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And if I keep reading that chapter, eventually God is going to create humanity. He's going to create a race of creatures that have a special relationship with God and a special purpose. 
But that understanding has got to start somewhere else, even besides humanity as a race. And then I'm just one person within this much larger landscape of all of humanity. I can't start with me. I've got to start with God. I've got to know something about him before I try to know something about me. I've got to know something about his purpose. He created everything, right? So these are just obvious realities of our lives as human beings. When I go to do 2021, I'm going to need to take something like gravity into account, right? I know you didn't think this through, but right? you are planning on the fact that gravity is going to exert a force on you in the coming year. You just can't decide, hey, you know, from now on, I think 2021, I'm going to speed things up a little bit. You know, elevator, I'm not taking that anymore. I'm just going to, you know, leap from the 31st floor. You know, no, you're not, right? You're going to plan on slowing up using the elevator because you know something about gravity. Well, where did gravity come from? In the beginning, God created. Oxygen. God created oxygen. God created human beings to need oxygen. Whatever you're planning this year, you can't decide you're going to plan to do it on the bottom of the ocean or in outer space because there will be no oxygen there. And therefore you won't be able to exist in that setting. I know that sounds like, well, that's obvious. That's so obvious. Um, You know, 20 years ago, most of us would not have thought we had to cover this, but in the beginning, God created male and female. Are you planning on taking that into account in the year 2021? Because that's changing right around us. That's being treated like, hey, that's its own idea. And you as an individual should be interacting with that idea based on your own individuality. But, but in the beginning, God created. He did something. And for me individually to ever find out what do I do with these concepts... I need to start with God. And if we don't start with God, we're going to sign on for our own brand of misery because we're going to end up seeking to twist and bend God's creation into something that we just spontaneously came up with. Somebody that gave us an idea, something we read on a Twitter feed. We've got to start with God, right? John uh, J.I. Packer opens his book, Knowing God, in the first chapter saying this, and it's just so true. He says, knowing about God is crucially important for the living of our lives. As it would be cruel to an Amazonian tribesman to fly him to London, put him down without explanation in Trafalgar Square and leave him. As one who knew nothing of English or England to fend for himself. So we are cruel to ourselves. If we try to live in this world without knowing about the God whose world it is and who runs it, the world becomes a strange, mad, painful place and life in it, a disappointing and unpleasant business for those who do not know about God. Disregard the study of God and you sentence yourself to stumble and blunder through life blindfolded as it were with no sense of direction and no understanding of what surrounds you. This way you can waste your life and lose your soul. Listen, I, I, you know, I, I spend time with people. I, you know, I try to stay in touch with things that are going on in our world around us and how they're impacting our lives. And that little phrase leaps out at me 
that J.I. Packer used. Life in it becomes a disappointing and unpleasant business. Uh, If we could pull off the presentation version of ourselves, you know, the one that we post and that we want everybody to see, hey, we are living the life. And we could have a private moment. So this is what you do sometimes with your pastors. You come and you visit and you have a private moment and you're not posting something. You're just being real. And in those real moments, you hear stories that those two words, life has become disappointing and unpleasant. That's rampant today. That condition is affecting so many lives today all around us, our own lives. And I I think it's because in our hyper-individualized world, we have done something, we have booted some things out of our lives, and we have disoriented ourselves from the God who explains things to us. We are living in a time that is delabeling everything. It's not just delabeling everything. It it is, it's, it's making us feel like if you put a label on something, that's wrong. You should not label people. You know, you do you and you come up with your own labels and, and it almost feels wrong for us to impose labels on things as though there is a definition for something that should be expected of it. That thing should answer to a definition that's outside of itself. But that's exactly what God does. God puts labels on things. And his labels contain definitions. So here we are as a church. We are a group of people who are going to navigate 2021. And there's a, there's a little bit of an individual component to each of us. We're going to have individual jobs. Our families have nuances to them. We're at different ages. We've got health things going on. Nothing wrong with our individuality. But we're, we're part of something beyond ourselves. And all of us share a common label, a common identity that I want to bring to our attention through this little series we're going to start the year with called Discipleship Reboot. Listen, whether you are here today as your young person or older person, whether you come from a wealthy background or an impoverished background, whether you're black, white, Latino, Asian, male or female, husband or wife, single person, those are some individual expressions of, of, of what God's given you to live out. But every one of us share a label in common with each other. If you're following Christ, you are a disciple. That's what you are. And that label is not available for self-definition. God already had an idea about what a disciple is. And so you and I don't come to him with me be me. I get to be me. I got my own spin and version on what it means to be a disciple. It's it's Keith-style discipleship. I I don't get to do that. I get to come to Jesus and learn about what he calls discipleship and become that. And so does does that sound imposing? Does that sound like something being imposed on you? You're a disciple. How dare God put that on me? It's like, I don't think we, we don't think that way, do we? I'm a disciple and I'm learning that there's something fulfilling in my life about that. There's something adventurous in my life about that. There's something life defining for me as I venture out into being a disciple. So let the adventure begin and let us be restored to this adventure. Now, listen, last week we spent some time getting front row seats just for how Jesus sees some things in the crowds, in humanity as he stares out at them. And there was a characteristic that got mentioned, that Jesus saw the crowds, he saw their condition, 
that they were harassed, remember, and helpless. Those are vivid words that Jesus used. But then he, he put a phrase on there that needs to catch our attention for today. They were like sheep without a shepherd. How do you get to this mangled, flayed, scarred condition that has been cast aside as the, the, the crowds were allowed? How do you get to that? Well, you, you are sheep without a shepherd. Right? So God has an intention for disciples that we would be sheep with shepherds. Right? I'm going to pull from Jeremiah a little bit. I don't think I put this verse in your outline, but Jeremiah 23 is this great moment where God is interacting with his people about shepherds and helping them understand that. And he promises them something in chapter 23, verse 4. He says, I, I will set shepherds. Right? Where do shepherds come from? God puts them in place. I will set shepherds over them who will care for them and they shall fear no more nor be dismayed neither shall any be missing or wandering off declares the lord so that's a very different depiction than the description that we saw last week right jesus describes his disciples as not being sheep without a shepherd no he says i will set shepherds among them And that will bring about this kind of an impact on our souls. So be aware. What we learned about last week is the experience that is available to every human being. Harassed and helpless is available for every one of us. We live in those conditions. What Jesus steps in and makes available to us is shepherds who care. A sense of losing that fear that dominates us. Not being dismayed and not going missing. Walking in God's purpose with others. So I want to bring us to 1 Peter chapter 5. I think you know, I'm, going to, I'm going to hang on the Apostle Peter here. Something similar to what we're doing right here in the beginning of January 2021. These are, these are wise words from the Apostle Peter for God's followers. This is the Apostle Peter uh, doing what I, I'm saying. Hey, I want to know what's in your, in your luggage that you're going to be using to get across 2021. Well, Peter wants you to put this in your luggage. He wants you to take this with you as you navigate the coming days as God's followers. Let's start reading 1 Peter 5, verse 1. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that's going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you. With humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then we'll pick up some of these thoughts next week. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. And be sober-minded, be watchful, Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, 
seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith. Right, so First Peter gets inspired by the Holy Spirit, written in about 64 AD. So you're about 30 years removed from Jesus looking at the crowds and displaying what's going on with their condition. But we're still talking about the same conditions. These are still sheep. They are still part of a flock. There are shepherds. There is the great shepherd here as well. And then there are anxieties that have to be managed in this life. And there is a predator who is on the loose. So we're 30 years removed from Jesus, but things have not changed. And this is actually the apostle Peter pointing out to you and I. If he stood with us facing the land of 2021, he would be saying, hey, this is, this is what's going to be happening as you travel through here. So I, I need this. I need this strategically in my life. And I, and I don't want to overlook some of the obvious things that are in this passage. There's some benefit in this passage to things that we, we so easily take for granted. And it's, it's in the first phrase that he brings up. I exhort the elders among you. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. I know there's some other stuff here about casting your cares upon God because he cares for you and resist the devil firm in your faith. Okay, well, those things scream at us, but these things are easy to overlook because they're just already happening. They're already among you. And the admonition that is given here is going to point out that this obvious thing, there are elders among you. There are shepherds among you. And you are part of a flock. So where I want to land when we think about launching into 2021, I want to dig around in your luggage and I just want to ask you, are you bringing shepherds and flocks with you into 2021? Are those two things going to serve the purpose that God has in your life? Because you're venturing into a place that's dangerous and full of anxieties. And I want to make sure you got in your luggage what you're going to need when you venture there. Are, are there shepherds in there? And is there a flock in there with you? Now, there's a challenge to shepherds and flocks today. Uh, the, today's a little different setting than 64 AD, right? There was a way of life that was going on in 64 AD that would have made shepherds and flocks interact with people in some way, right? That moment in history would have had people who uh, worked agriculturally, most of their lives. They would have been farmers. They would have raised herds. They would have lived nearby cities, perhaps, so that they could provide the, the needs of the folks that are there. They were craftsmen. They were carpenters, and they were blacksmiths, and they had shops that had people in and out of their lives, etc. They did life a certain way, right? They had, a, they had a pace to their lives. They had X number of people that could fit in their seven-day week, and they interacted with those folks, and if you, if you trace history, right, and you fast forward a good bit, you get to the Industrial Revolution. Right? There are moments when human beings reinvent their lives. And the Industrial Revolution was a reinvention of life. Everything was about to be done differently. These rural agricultural settings were going to give way to manufacturing centers that were in urban settings. And now everybody was going to move and live in these cities. They were going to live right on top of each other. Slums were going to develop. People with enormous needs and uncleanliness and disease was going to break out. So if you trace history, 
what caused the, the massive diseases of Europe that spread all over the place? Well, it was the Industrial Revolution. It made people live right on top of each other in unsanitary conditions. There were needs that were here. It's interesting to trace out how Christians interacted with history. Uh, most of us recognize groups today called like the Salvation Army, the YMCA. And you know where those groups got their start? On the heels of the Industrial Revolution. All these people moved to cities and, and the gospel found opportunities for young men, YMCA, Young Men Christians Association, I think it was. Right? So there was people who said, hey, there's all these young people that there's so much bad stuff going on in this world and in their lives. What if we started an association in the city and we could share the gospel with these folks, the Salvation Army, the guys ringing the bell out there. That's just not to support Red Santas. And that came from somewhere. That was an opportunity for gospel ministry to find its way into the cities and the poor and people who were affected by these conditions. You know, they were doing life a certain way, weren't they? Right? There was a pattern to their lives. There were routines in their lives. There were people in and out of their lives. Fast forward from the Industrial Revolution to the Information Age. In our lifetime, we have watched another revolution take place. Right? Some of us didn't see the Industrial Revolution. We just lived in it. But, you know, I'm old enough to have lived in a lifetime when we weren't digital. We are digital now. We live in a digital age. We live our lives out of our devices. That's not one bit an exaggeration. The way we do things is related to our devices. The people that we get around. The volume of people that we get around. The way we schedule things. How we approach our problems. It's all device related. We live today relating to our devices. And yet there's a pattern of discipleship in the scriptures. That's got to be true in the year 64 AD in the, in the industrial revolution. It's got to be true today too. There's no expiration date here. The apostle Peter doesn't stare off into life and say, Hey, boy, I had this idea. It used to work. Uh, but we're going to chuck this whole shepherds and flock thing because we have devices now. There's an app for that. You know, you don't, you don't need shepherds and you don't need flocks. I don't believe that's true. I believe what God instituted is as true today as it's ever been. We need functioning flocks in our lives that we're a part of. Not just a meeting that we attend on a Sunday, but functioning flocks that we are a part of. We need shepherds in our lives to perform particular insights and revelation and care and direction to us. But you and I are living in a time where that's particularly difficult, right? So I'm not going to overlook the obvious. I'm not going to preach something that we're going to have a hard time figuring out how to stick it in our pockets because our pockets are jammed full of other things. So it was a great message, but I can't find any place to put that. Well, can I interact with that just for a little bit? Because there is a challenge to putting some of this on in our day. Right, the first issue I raise, I think, in your outline is the more our culture elevates and isolates the individual, the more we become our own self-defining steering mechanism in life. And the more that feels right, we're the ones who are going to make the calls for our lives. We're the ones who determine What's the priority? What's the stuff that should be in my world? What labels should I wear? What obligations should I have? We're determining that more and more and more and more. 
But, but remember, we started this whole conversation somewhere. We started with the idea that God created. And then he put labels on things. And he expected those relationships and the way we make decisions and the way we approach life to not be done independently of him. He expected all that stuff to be under his influence all the time. It was never a good idea that human beings would become their own self-steering mechanism and then we would push God and God's means out of our lives. So God gives us his spirit. God interacts through written word. God does a variety of things to bring influence into our souls. And one of the things we see in this passage, it's one of the things, by the way, it's not the only thing, but one of the things we see is, is God puts shepherds in our lives, real people with real flesh who are involved in relating to us, right? Jeremiah three, Jeremiah describes these shepherds when he says, I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. All right, so pick that up for a second and hold it in your hands. There's this God-given influence that's supposed to come into our lives through shepherds. God says, I will give you shepherds. So again, God is the one who appoints shepherds in our lives. We, we don't interview them. We, we don't create them. We don't appoint them. God puts shepherds in our lives. And through these shepherds comes something that's called knowledge and understanding that's going to feed us. Now, let me just quickly say, that's not the only means of knowledge and understanding. The Bible has other means. But shepherds are given a role to bring knowledge and understanding into our lives. We fast forward from the Old Testament to the New Testament. We hear the Apostle Paul to Timothy saying, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. All right, so we're venturing out into a place full of anxieties and a real life predator out there. And God wants to protect our lives, guard our lives, strengthen our lives by giving us shepherds who will give us knowledge and understanding through preaching and teaching God's word to us. And then Paul turns and says, uh, hold that in an honorable position. Don't let it become common. Don't misplace it. Don't lower its importance in your life. Don't make it like every other routine. Like, you know, you got that and go in the Walmart right next to each other. They're, they're equally important in my life and how I do my life. As a matter of fact, I almost didn't come this morning because I needed to go to Walmart, right? There was a moment in the history of humanity and there is a moment in scripture where, where this, this is a holy moment. And I'm, I, I, you know, this is awkward for me to preach, by the way, because I understand you're sitting here listening to me. I'm just a human being. I'm just one of you. I'm literally just one of you. Right? That's my history is I was just a part of this church and then eventually became one of the pastors and then the senior pastor here. So I there ain't nothing special about me, really. And people like Vic who have known me forever will just amen that. You can amen me right now. Yeah, okay. Um, Vic and I go back to high school. There is nothing really cool about me. But God appoints shepherds. I got I to say, I, didn't, I never met Jeremiah, but I, I, I bet he would say the same thing. Ain't nothing all that special about me. I was just doing life and God said, hey, Jeremiah, uh, I'm appointing you as a shepherd for these people. And with that, it's going to come an impact 
from your life. You're not going to create it. I'm going to ordain it. There's going to be knowledge. There's going to be understanding. There's going to be preaching and teaching that you're going to do that's going to have an impact on their soul because I'm going to make it happen that way. There was a moment in which this hour was unusual and special and something that we prepared ourselves to interact with God in a unique way that he was setting up in order to affect us, to bring an insight into our lives, to awaken something, to correct something, to steer us differently. That's what preaching does for our lives. What a precious gift that is that I don't generate. I don't control the steering mechanism of it. I don't make it say one thing or another. And then there are these flocks that God has arranged for us to be a part of, right? The more, I put this in your outline, the more culture elevates and defines life coming to us through devices, the less we are seeking out connections with others. Thus, the influence and role of the flock in this passage is being ignored and replaced. We all know this. As screen time has increased, people time has decreased. It's just a fact. I remember reading a great title book a number of years ago. An MIT professor was called Alone Together. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Alone Together. I'm alone, but I'm together with you. But I'm alone. And the outcome of that is in some ways you feel like you're together. And in some ways you're really not. And in some ways you feel alone, even though you just stared at somebody else's life for a second. This is a weird little experience we're having, isn't it? There is this thing that God has ordained for us to have human contact with each other, to be part of a flock, to be joined to a prescribed set of people, right? Everybody's not your shepherd and everybody's not your flock. And the second everybody is, nobody is. When I hear people who describe to me that, well, yeah, I'm a Christian. Well, I'm part, I'm part of the body of Christ, brother, everywhere. You know, I ask them, where do you go to church? Well, I'm just, I'm just part of the body of Christ everywhere. Well, can I just say you practically and in reality, you're part of the body of Christ nowhere. That sounds really, really spiritual, but this is a description of real functional people. Shepherds that you can actually touch them and a flock that you could stand next to and not get eaten by that lion over there because you're all by yourself. Oh, but I'm really spiritual and I'm all by myself. All right, you're going to taste a little different when the lion eats you, but you're not any different. We're supposed to be connected to each other. But, but this is a challenge, right? In your outline, I wrote this. The past, this passage presents a follower of Christ with a life setting, if you will, where specific leaders bring real influence, real ideas, real practices, real emphasis in real time and real space to a mutually connected group called a flock who share real time and real space and real life with each other. And you may not be paying attention to this, but this is the stuff that I pay attention to. because I'm seeking to make sure that we can shepherd the people that God's put among us. Uh, Christianity has become extremely ideal, uh, individualized, extremely individualized today, right? So I didn't write this out in your outline, but today's individualized Christianity is where a Christian gets their, their leadership from a preacher in Atlanta, a podcast in Dallas, 
and books written by an author in New York. And that information is sought out and welcomed because they pass the individual's personal screening preferences. So I'm not completely find fault with that. I mean, I don't read everybody's books. I read books that, that affect me, that I can receive something from the perspective of that author. But here's a danger. God appoints shepherds in your life. You don't interview them and make them pass your test. But that's what you do with a book, right? As a matter of fact, some people send me books or recommend books to me. Reading is a precious moment for me. And so I don't want to read anything and everything. I want to read specific things. And you're that way too. So what happens when my personality, my way of doing life, my me doing me version of discipleship begins to dictate which podcast I listen to, which book I'm going to read, which pastor I tune into, who's shepherding me right now? Ultimately, I am. And that suits me fine. I live in a culture that's telling me that's exactly what I should be doing. I'm creating the input that I want and I'm steering away from the input that I don't want. So if you write on this topic and I'm interested in that topic of all the topics of Christianity, if you write on that one, I'll buy your book. I'll listen to you. But you wrote on that one. I'm not interested in that. But what if God wants you to hear that? How would he get that to you? How would he invade your life with information that you're not in the mood for? Or you don't like the angle on it? Right, here's the crisis in Jeremiah's day. Jeremiah's day was a crisis of the shepherds who led and the people who listened. It was a, it was a dual crisis. Because there were other shepherds besides Jeremiah and the ones that God had sent, right? Jeremiah 23 verse 16. says, thus says the Lord of hosts. Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes, right? So these prophets were shepherds who were showing up and they were saying things to God's people. But he says, don't listen to them. They're filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. So there's problem number one in Jeremiah's day. There were leaders who were there who no longer spoke from God's perspective. They didn't wait to hear from God. They had ideas. They wrote their books and they sent out their ideas and their messages to people. And God comes along through Jeremiah and says, they don't speak for me. I did not send those prophets, but yet they went anyway. But they're not speaking my word that I have have given. So that's problem number one. But the other problem is with the audience. Verse 17. They say continually... To those who despise the word of the Lord. So there was an audience that was being attempting to be led by these shepherds who their posture was they didn't like the word of the Lord. Now listen, I doubt anybody ever picks their Bible up and says, oh, I hate that. I hate this Bible. I just, you know, everything about it, I hate. I just, you know, I think it's outdated. It's archaic. It's got dumb ideas. And I just hate everything about this. Well, no disciple does that. But how many of you guys would recognize there are things in this Bible that you don't like to hear? And there are particular moments where you especially don't like to hear it. There are moments when this is saying something to me in a way that, that makes me feel threatened, 
makes me feel unsafe because the Bible's calling me over there and I'd like to be right here. I think, Jesus, I'm going to stay in the boat. Thank you very much. Not stepping out on the water. That doesn't work for me. I, you know, me and water have met before. This walk on the water thing, nah, I'm not going there. There are moments in which the Bible actually calls you to do something that you are not going to be comfortable with. There are challenges that await you in in walking out God's purpose. It could be in your own family. It could be in your marriage. It could be in raising your children. It could be going to do missions work. It could be facing some sickness that's come into your body that you don't like that word from God. You don't like that. I I don't want that in my life right now. Nevertheless, it is what God's doing. And it is what God's called you to do. And if you've lived life a little bit, you've recognized this Bible speaks to you in ways that you don't always like it. Well, they didn't like that. And it goes on and says, to those who despise the word of the Lord, they keep saying, it shall be well with you, right? That their temptation as shepherds was to tell people what they want to hear. And to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say, listen, no disaster shall come upon you. So you got preachers who were preaching what people wanted to hear. But this is a condition of the audience. Everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart. That's an interesting phrase to put on in 2021, isn't it? Because everything around us is saying you should be getting your way. Your own stubborn heart, your way of seeing things and labeling things and prioritizing things, you should do that. That's the right thing to do. As a matter of fact, anybody who's telling you and requiring you to do something that's different than what you want to do, that's the problem. Those people have the problem. But this word is identifying that the people of God can find a stubbornness in their own hearts. That makes them not want to hear. And so when my heart gets stubborn and I go to buy my next book and tune into my next podcast and my heart is stubborn, I don't want to hear anybody tell me anything in my stubborn heart category. I want somebody to talk about something else. I don't want them to bring that up with me. I don't want you to help work me through my unforgiveness towards somebody in my life. So if the topic is unforgiveness, I'm just going to flip through that real quick and go to the next article. Who's shepherding your soul right now? You are. And that's a dangerous thing. Because my own soul is stubborn. And it's sideways and it's hurt and it's wounded and it's motivated to do all kinds of things for all kinds of reasons. And then God comes along and he steps into that, that arena. Every one of our souls, God has stepped in in a certain way and he has inserted something into your luggage. Shepherds who I hope, and I I do hope for for this. I I sincerely, I'm so grateful for people who tell me, you know, hey, I've been praying for you, praying for you this morning. I'll get texts from guys on Saturdays. Man, I'm praying for you for tomorrow. So grateful for that. Because the, the role of this pulpit is to shepherd God's people, to speak something on God's behalf. And I can't tell you, I had a lady come to me after the first service. Uh, who identified something I had said a couple of weeks ago, the phrase that I use. And I have this regularly happen. Someone will come up and say, you use this phrase. And sometimes they're saying something I had nowhere in any notes. It was just a strange thought that showed up in the moment. 
But for that person, it was like solid gold. It was what they needed to hear in that moment. Because I believe there's a shepherd who loves each and every one of us that he can nuance a shepherd's voice and words in such a way that it lands right where you are. It awakens your faith. It brings an insight and sheds light on why is this so hard in my life? Why am I facing this? What am I resisting? What am I afraid of? And something got said in a message that puts you in touch with that so that you could go free and you could continue in God's purposes. But for that to happen in my luggage for 2021, I'm going to need to have a flock that I'm a part of and shepherds that I listen to. And that's where I want to land today. I want us to to be in in touch with something. And I say this a little bit against the sobriety of of things that I know are going on in our world. And and if you give me permission to do this a little bit, uh, one of the things preaching should do is it it should provide us with a little bit of a mirror that we can stare at ourselves for a second and see, hey, where am I at in some of these categories? You and I are about to travel across 2021. We traveled across 2020 and... I don't think anybody would disagree with me. 2020 was a dark year. It wasn't just a pandemic year. It was a dark year. It was a spiritually hostile year. It showed up in our lives in all kinds of ways that was disruptive, disturbing, troubling. I mean, honestly, I I stared at the inauguration, choking back tears. And I'm not not some American historian person, but I stared at a situation where I felt like this country has never been this bad off. We've never been in this bad of a place before. Now understand the country is not the flock, by the way, right? These don't apply. Don't pick this up and try and use it on America. America is not God's flock. This is God's flock. The church is God's flock. But there are conditions in our world that are dark, and listen, I, I tend to stare at a little different set of conditions. Hey, I'm in touch. There are Republican conditions. Can I, can I just ask you to stop staring at those and stare at the ones that really, really matter at much deeper levels? Yeah, those things matter at some level. There are spiritual things going on around us that are beginning to creep into the body of Christ and pollute the flock among us. And we need to be wise about that. You need to maybe stare into the mirror for a second here as I kind of read through this little paragraph. I stuck it in your outline there. And say, hey, is any of this in me? Even just a little bit of it. Am I getting some secondhand smoke from what's going on around me, right? I put in your outline there that the, the sheep of God have ingested cultural polarization. We refuse to move toward others' positions. Building consensus today, if you have that role, good luck. And listen, I don't have that role as some negotiator between the Democrats and the Republicans. I'm not trying to broker some political deal. I have that role as a pastor dealing with Christians, right? I I have a responsibility to the local team here to build consensus amongst elders and leaders. I have that responsibility as a regional leader in sovereign grace to build consensus among churches in our region, among pastors in our region. Can I tell you, it's never been this hard. 
And the reason why is because it's become normal for us to be polarized and not budge an inch. So, I mean, what are you staring at in Washington right now? And what have you been staring at for years now? You got a little group of guys who've got a view about life and policies and they stand right here and they're firmly entrenched. And you got another little group of people who stand over here. And, and so most of us can remember when we were younger that there was a day when this polarized moment eventually got followed by them finding some kind of common ground. Eventually, they talked it out, they worked it out, and nobody got exactly all that they wanted, but they kind of found some middle ground. Uh, can I tell you, I haven't seen middle ground in years. You got one group who ain't gonna budge an inch. They're staying right here and they're gonna kill you, but they're not coming with you. And you got another group over here that's staying right there and they're gonna kill you and they're not coming with you. You do recognize when you flip through enough Twitter feeds and listen to that enough, you eventually start thinking that's, that's normal. You've got a view. Congratulations, you've got a view. But you have to play with others, husbands and wives, parents and children, generations, church members, right? We've got to play with others. It's not all right for me just to have this view and to not find any ability to cooperate with other people in the body of Christ. I need to do that. And and we're having a hard time doing that. We have unknowingly abandoned biblical due process. I didn't have a real cool, fancy title for that one, but that's what we've abandoned. Biblical due process where we don't accept accusations about others and draw conclusions on people based on social media posts, hearsay, or gossip. How many times are we seeing this happen in the body of Christ? Somebody on the other side of the country posted something about somebody that you might have some vague knowledge of. And that post said something about their character, about what they did, about how guilty they are, about they've hurt somebody else. And the, the pre, this one-sided opinion presentation got made and you identified with it and, and you posted something that agreed with that? You supported that? You celebrated? Yeah, yeah. Those people. I mean, can I just tell you what's happening in that moment? You have bought into the victim and victimizer mentality. And when you start seeing yourself as a victim, you want all the victimizers to get theirs. That's what's in you immediately. So the second you read a post where a victimizer is getting theirs, you don't care about the details. Amen, brother. Down with all the victimizers. Can I just tell you, you have no idea what happened in that situation that you're judging. You don't know enough to have an opinion about it. And biblically, you are wrong for having, you know, there's a biblical due process that you're actually called upon to call witnesses and they have to be a certain type of witness. They had to have seen things themselves. And you and I listen to somebody who's reposting a reposted post. And that's what we're going to believe. And just tell you, you, you might see, well, that's how the social media went. We pick this stuff up and then we start doing it with each other. We hear about somebody else. Somebody did something. Somebody said something. Oh, uh, well, I know why they do that stuff. They do that because of this, 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 and this. And then we take that and we ingest it. And next thing you know, we are judging others. Like we actually know why people are doing what they're doing. We barely even know that situation and hardly know those people. These are dark days. 
this stuff is coming in to the church. Right? So I, I want us to see it. I want you to see yourself. I want you to right now be staring at yourself. And, Am I doing that? Do, do I do that? Because can I just tell you, if we, none of us will adjust anything that we're doing, none of this will ever change. It'll be in our next post, in our post after that, and in our interaction after that. You know, we are called to be a community that is characterized by that Old Testament word, chesed. It's a word loving kindness. It's a pursuing, insistent love relationship between covenant members of God's people. That's going to look a certain way when you get on the wrong side of my issue. I've got a few issues. You get on the wrong side of that. You got the wrong opinion about that. You know what our culture teaches us to do in that moment? Cancel them. Don't work through that. Don't give them the opportunity to be who they are different in that category. Cancel them. Get them out of your life. Send the signal. That's not going to be tolerated. Listen, I mean, we've navigated some weird stuff, some difficult stuff last year. Where where was the moments where in whatever category, I could pick a bunch of them, right? I'll pick the race category. Somebody's on the wrong side of the race issue. Does the Bible give you permission to cancel them? No, but Keith, they are really, really wrong. I understand that. And I'm really, really offended by some of the wrongness of them. But if they're part of a flock... I don't get to cancel them any more than the God who says you and I are really, really wrong. He doesn't cancel us either. But see, these things are coming in among the church and we're going to navigate 2021 and we're going to need this equipment, right? And the fallout of this is that people are, are feeling more isolated and more lonely and more disappointed than ever. And that's happening right in the church world that we are a part of too. There are people here today who starting this year, they're more lonely and isolated feeling than they were when they started the year last year. This, this has gone to work on us. I need to own this flock. You need to own this flock. We need to own having shepherds in our lives. We need this in our luggage to cross this coming year. So this morning, I want us to pray together in this category. I want us to pray. I put a little paragraph. I think I put it in your outline. This, here's what I think we need, right? We need a powerful encounter with the spirit of God. Then we need another one and another one after that. We need settings where the presence of God dwells filled with people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. We need flocks that create a context for life to be lived and God's goodness to be experienced. And we need shepherds that bring the great shepherds comfort, care, correction, and direction into these gatherings. The Apostle Peter stands at the foothills of the year 64 AD and he cries out for the people, shepherd the flock of God among you. Be a part of a flock and make sure there are functioning shepherds in your life who your heart is open to receive from them and your heart is bound to a group of other people that you're walking with. We're going to need this in 2021. Can I just even say harsher than that? You're not going to survive 2021 spiritually without the wisdom of God for us. So let's stand up together. Let's ask the Lord to help, help us.
Just give the Lord just some access to you personally, you and him having a conversation right now. So you've packed up your gear and your hopes and your aspirations for 2021, a new game plan, way to spend your efforts. And the Lord comes over and he picks up your luggage. And he wants to know, are there shepherds in there? Is the flock of God in your luggage? I want you just to just meet with the Lord for a second and, and, and answer that for him. Lord, have I given shepherds access to my heart, to my thoughts? Do I look outside of the information that I control to receive knowledge and understanding from shepherds that you have appointed in my life? Listen, if that's not where you find yourself, for whatever reason, life got busy, your style is just different, This is not optional equipment. Just right now, just let God have access to your heart. God, I know my own heart. I want to be able to wholeheartedly know that, Lord, I receive what you have from me. Lord, you, you have activity and people and influence that I know my soul needs. So as we start the year and you are directing shepherds among us to shepherd the flock of God. And Lord, in my own soul, I want to make room for that, Lord. I, I want to receive the unique grace that you have appointed from my soul in this coming year. I know you've gathered here this morning and you are among the flock of God, but we can be in this building and really not be part of the flock. I think God wants to, to look into our connections with each other and say, hey, are, are, you, are you living like a flock with each other? Are you overlapping life and sharing life and connecting, not with everybody here, but with enough folks here to where relationships are real and people are real. Care from you is real. Encouragement from you is real. Support to others is real. And you're receiving that as well from real people, the flock. This morning, I want to pray, God. I want to pray for all the places that we try and create flock connections, Lord. This week, small groups are going to meet, Lord. Smaller segments of our local flock are going to get together and have real conversations are going to share about their journey, things that, that are going great and places where they're struggling, places where faith is being tested and where the enemy seems to be roaring more loudly than usual. God, I pray for all of us in this family that you've brought us together to be a part of. God, may we find our flock when we get in these settings. God, I pray for places like Mops, and pops where young moms and dads are navigating these years, caring for their children and exploring life together and meeting things that work and things that don't work. 
figuring out how to be a married couple in settings that sometimes can just have a lot of difficulties in them. God, would you connect these folks into a flock, Lord, who are supportive and encouraging and helpful and insightful, stirring up one another and helping us to resist the enemy when he comes, stand firm in our faith, cast our anxieties. Lord, our seniors ministry, our youth ministry, and our pivot ministry, Lord, different segments of the church, men's gatherings and women's gatherings that are taking place. Lord, these are all opportunities from, from more than just the information age. More than something that we could watch live stream. Lord, there, there are moments where real lives are connected and we find ourselves near to the flock in a way that protects us and strengthens us and helps us to not feel so isolated and alone. God, I pray for that, Lord. I pray that these critical, wonderful gifts of tools of flocks and shepherds would find their way into each one of our lives. Lord, I pray that 2021 would see a vibrancy in these categories that shows up in meaningful ways. Lord, thank you that when you saw what could be our story, that we could be people who were like sheep without a shepherd. You said, no, that's not going to happen to my folks. No, no, I'm going to give them a flock to be a part of and I will give them shepherds so that they are sheep with shepherds to keep them from being harassed and helpless like the crowds. Lord, let Lakeview Christian Center be that flock for so many folks that Lord, on the other side of 2021, Lord, there have been none who have gone astray. Despair has not entered our souls. We have cast our cares upon you because you care for us and we have resisted firmly the enemy, whether he came after us in whatever way. Lord, this this we're asking for this coming year in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have an awesome week this week. You guys at home, guys watching live stream, we love you. We hope to see you soon. If there's any way that we can help you, please. Keep us informed, call the church office, set a meeting. We'd be glad to do that with you.